Robert Jadis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, in this Thanksgiving week special, a very special show, we're going to be talking about election 2020, the obvious and the hard questions. Russ Ramson joins me in studio to talk about proof of election fraud and corruption of voter tabulation software. Sidney Powell, not Kraken, and the Republican the balance. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello and welcome back to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm doing a very special show on this Thanksgiving week. Three weeks from today, the Constitution requires that the Electoral College vote on who won the presidency in this most recent election, November 2020. If they cannot get to a conclusion, cannot get to 270 electors choosing either President Trump or Joe Biden, then we're off to the races with the, what the Constitution provides. You've been through those steps on this show. What I want to focus on now is this. There is clamoring in America for the idea that we've got to get to the answer. We have to hurry up. We don't have time. And I want to say this, what matters the most is we get the right answer. We get the correct answer. We get the truth about what happened in the 2020 election cycle. We have people naturally on the Biden team pushing the argument that everyone knows MSNBC called it, CNN called it, everybody's called it. Obviously, you know, Joe Biden won and this is just sour grapes on the part of President Trump unwilling yet to concede. Nothing could be further from the truth. Today, in just a moment, we're going to have Russ Ramson joining us. We're going to be talking about, and it gets down into the weeds, but it's the only way to help you try to understand how consequential this is, get, get down into the weeds a bit to understand what evidence is there that there was actually electronic manipulation of voter tabulation software, or in plain English, was there vote switching? Is there evidence, are, is our system vulnerable so that you, you could have vote switching? And if it is vulnerable, what, if anything, is a proof that actually happened this time? Everyone telling you that we just need to pressure President Trump to concede, let Joe Biden have it. What they're telling you is they don't really care about the truth. We have time to get to the truth, and that's what we're going to do. I want to, though, leaving before we dive into this in-depth conversation with Russ Ramsen, just remind you a few top-line issues, top-line observations, common-sense observations that can help many, or the reason many Americans simply do not believe that the election outcome was what CNN and all the liberal media are trying to claim it to be. Several quick things, I could go through many of them, I want to hit just a few top-line ones. Number one, there are in this country, they use the expression bellwether counties, counties that simply have correctly chosen the winning candidate in the presidential race pretty much ever since Reagan's time. Meaning whatever reason, the, the county is composed of people who reflect the heartland of the majority of America. Of those 19 counties that have correctly chosen the president in the last ele all elections as President Reagan, there are 19 of them, 18 of them, went for President Trump by an average of 12 points. One went for Biden by three points. This is just common sense. 
reason to question the, the, the allegation or the claim that Biden won by uh, clearly won the majority and will win the Electoral College. Number two, Cook Political Report, which does all sorts of analyzing ahead of elections. They talk about, well, we have this many races and, you know, they, they'll sometimes switch and say this was a solid Democrat. Now it's leaning Democrat. Now it's middle. So what they had the day, what, before we got to the election, they had 27 House races. U.S. House races ranked as toss-ups, couldn't figure out through all their polling who was going to win. All 27 went Republican. They also had 26 races ranked as leaning GOP, 26 House races, all won by the Republican candidate. They also had 36 leaning Democrat, and seven of those were won by the Republican. Republicans did not lose one single incumbent Republican House race. This data does not square with what the left and what the media are trying to argue that President Trump lost and that Biden won the presidency. Uh, one more uh, quick point about this election cycle. These are, these are data-driven observations, data-driven facts. But the other, other uh, thing to draw from, the other point to draw from it is this. When the American people returned every single incumbent GOP House member back to, to the House, back to the U.S. Congress, when the Democrats did not take over the Senate, or we don't know the final outcome yet, but so far they haven't taken over the Senate as they predicted they would, what you're really hearing is a message to the American people that they actually don't like the Marxist direction of the American left. They're rejecting the mission and the message of defund the police riot in the cities. The whole Marxist agenda of the left became more and more apparent to the American people in this last year, and the American people turned it down. They said, no, thank you. The American people, common sense tells you, did not make all those voting decisions, but somehow say, but we elect Biden. These are common sense arguments that many Americans, and just, of course, the size of the rallies, President Trump on 24 hours notice can get a rally of 60,000 people and more people who couldn't get in and Vice President Biden couldn't fill a gym with people who actually wanted to come and listen to him and cheer him on. That isn't necessarily a fact that proves the outcome of the voting. They are, though, extremely compelling pieces of evidence that make it very unlikely that Biden somehow defeated President Trump in the general election in the overall numbers and the Electoral College. There are there are mounds and mounds of evidence growing in the swing states we're all focusing on now related to all sorts of vote fraud, election fraud, ballots being run through the machines. We've been through all of that evidence. But what I want to focus on for most of the rest of the show is this. The American people want to believe that we have a system that involves electronic use of electronic voting machines and that it's reliable, that it is impregnable. No one could get in and change votes. That's what we want to believe. We think of votes like objects, like if we had a basket and you put in, you know, 12 green apples and 14 red apples and they're sitting there in the basket and you leave the room and nobody else is there and you come back and you're going to have 12 green apples and 14 red apples. That's what we think our voting system is like. It's votes, early votes, kept in some, you know, cavernous place, securely protected and, and invulnerable. 
And what we're going to talk about for the rest of the show today is how could our system be as vulnerable as the advocates for a close relooking at this, the election data, a close examination of the Dominion voting systems, a close examination of the elections in the swing states, because at the end of the day, America deserves the truth. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So we have joining us in the studio, Russ Ramsland. You were just here two weeks ago or so. Hello, sir. I know. We got a quick meeting like this. <laughs> yes, sir, we do. Okay. So get this. Three weeks from today, folks, three weeks from today, we have plenty of time to look at this evidence. And this is the evidence upon which Sidney Powell has been relying and saying she's going forward with litigation to demand a fair count. So let me just start with this, Russ, because, you know, I want to hit some preliminary points and I know you have a great PowerPoint to share. Number one, I want to talk about your background and uh, your background, which, you know, you um, even though I've known you for years, I'll do a formal introduction a little bit. Um, so Russ earned, Russ Ramsland, who is in studio with us, uh, earned a BA in political science and government from Duke University, an MBA from Harvard School of Business. Um, and uh, he has in the past worked for the Reagan administration, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration the MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and as well as, as very successful private sector businesses. He began working with a Dallas-based company, ASOG, Allied Security Operations Group, and they are the source of much of the data upon which the allegations are being made that there was actual tampering with voting data held in, in the, um, held in the um, Dominion voting machines, other voting machines. So let me start. So you, you didn't sound like you have a cyber background education-wise, but tell me about who works in ASOG. What kind of people came up with the data we're about to look at? Well, in, in this case, it was a lot of our guys that came out of three-letter agencies, uh, NSA, CIA, et cetera, et cetera, uh, SOCOM, and they have deep cyber uh, backgrounds. Uh, they're very, very good at what they do. And um, they, they were the ones that did most of the heavy lifting. Um, we also have a larger group of people we work with all the time, uh, either just as cooperative uh, compatriots or in some cases as contractors. And they're pretty much all over the world. But this data has uh, been uh, assembled and put together by really about three groups of which ASOG is the, uh, the public face. But we work with them. Uh, we work with them extensively on various projects, and some of these guys are even out of the country. Okay, so ASOG again, the organization for which of which you're the head and been the spokesperson. This organization contracts with people. You went through their three-letter credentials, but these are actually people who learned in their work with these various agencies, Correct. learn how to do cybersecurity and investigating. These Correct. are not novices. Oh, no, no, no. And a lot of these guys have held top secret clearances at various times. A couple of them have shoe boxes full of passports. I mean, they've, they've had some pretty interesting careers. Okay. I just think to start with, because we're going to be looking at some amazing data, and I love to have the, the premise of this be that's put together by people who are very substantively not only educated, but experienced. They know what they're doing. Second point is, you actually came up, because I think there's a lot of concern or expression of concern about the idea that President Trump was viewed by many as never going to believe the White House. This is just kind of a, a smokescreen for him to try to push around and stay somehow stay in office beyond when he's supposed to. But your research, getting into the depth of understanding about what happens with data held in voting machines, 
started long before 2020 election cycle. So when did Correct. it start, roughly? It really started for us in November of 2018. Uh, we're a commercial firm. This, this was a one-off for us that turned out that we had a tiger by the tail. Yeah. And, uh, but it came about because some voters uh, and some observers brought in the audit logs from the Dallas Central Tabulation Server. And what we saw in those audit logs was horrifying. And it couldn't be explained by any kind of normal activity going on. So we began to look at it and, and we, uh, we did some comparisons and we read all the literature because we didn't want to go and recreate the wheel. Uh, we did spot check a lot of the literature and actually since about 2007 with the Everest report that was done by Harry Hursty and Matt Blaze and Haldeman and a bunch of them, um, the problems have been known for a long time. They've just been largely ignored. Okay. What's an audit log? Uh, well, an audit log <clears throat> is something that should go through and um, grab and record every single event with a timestamp that goes through uh, a particular machine, uh, anyone who accesses it. Uh, and there will, there's different kinds of audit logs. There's some of the tabulation server, there's some of the communications, um, the routers have their own. All the pieces of equipment should all have audit logs, but this was of the central tabulation server. This is the one that's actually uh, counting and recording the votes and preparing them. And this is Dallas County? Correct. So would they, someone brought it because they were suspicious about some of the outcomes of the races? What? Correct, correct. They brought it in and, uh, and as we looked at it, I mean, there were thousands and thousands of error messages in the, the logs and the picture painted was, was really concerning. And uh, as I say, we're a commercial firm, but we just all sat around and said, you know, we just really have to look at this because it's not about necessarily who wins, but we at least want to know if your guy won or your guy lost. It was an honest race. That's the foundation of American democracy. Amen to that. True story. Okay, so the two points we want to establish, yeah, one was not because of Trump, you didn't get started because of this Trump election and all the questions about that. Um, no. And you had these just, just amazingly wonderful super experts helping with this process, getting you under. So let, you sent a, a PowerPoint in. Uh, Matt, the very wonderful, has that PowerPoint. And um, I, I don't know if anything else preliminary you wanted to say before we dive into it. Because again, to my happy listeners, actually one, one second, Mac, if you can put, I'm gonna just say one more thing to the happy listeners. I'm sorry, there you go. You know, I just wanna say this. Convince your friends, actually watch this and think about it and consider sharing it with your friends. Because what really matters is one thing to get to the truth. If Sidney Powell succeeds in some litigation she has filed and you have courts taking whatever actions they do, ending up perhaps at the Supreme Court, the US Supreme Court, ending up in Congress, and you're gonna have a decision eventually. Someone's going to be president January 21st in 2021. Someone will be president. But the more people who grasp that there really was a serious substantive problem with election fraud in this country, the more widely that is believed and understood, the smoother the transition can be to whatever happens in 2021. Having the media simply attempt to shut down, argue against, claim it isn't true, this never happened, trying to have, in fact, the media coverage of Biden every day now is who he's considering you know, to be the uh, you know, chief cook and bottle washer at the White House. He's just trying to act like I'm here and the media is too. And it's important to understand we have plenty of time. This is 
the kind of litigation that normally would take years to prepare, we have 21 days. We have at least that number of days for Sidney Powell to get cases and the uh, president's attorneys get cases before the courts and have them look at it to have a fair viewing of these very, very serious allegations relating to election fraud. Want to get that point in? So you we have your slides, and I don't know they're going to be up there in a moment. And um, I've got them printed out here. But if you uh, we uh, starting with what happened in Kentucky, this was kind of a your first slide. We can put that up. And Matt, thank you so much. We ha so this is a I've seen this before, and I, I know this tune. But I'd love to have you walk us through why this is relevant. For, this is 2018 Kentucky gubernatorial race. Right. Why this is relevant to the question of whether or not election fraud can be proved in America, and let's just watch this video. Yeah, what a little background. Uh, we were called in to look at this race. It was a race very much like, uh, it's deja vu, or as Yogi Berra would say, deja vu all over again. Um, we had all these down ballot Republicans that absolutely swamped. They, they won their races by two to 300,000 uh, vote margin on a million four votes that were cast, and yet Matt Bevan, um, the governor, lost by 5,000 votes. And it was just unexplainable. I mean, there was stuff that went on, but the fact of the matter is it was pretty unexplainable. Uh, we were called in to look at it, we did, we started looking at it, but it became very, very clear very quickly that um, between the media uh, hounding Bevan to leave and the fact that uh, not very many Republicans were interested in standing by him, um, he wasn't going to stay. And uh, <clears throat> then some things happened later that, that probably made it um, a fait accompli. But in the course of looking at this, we got five hours of the CNN uh, footage that night. And we wrote a little script to watch the vote changes, and we noticed some things that, frankly, were amazing. So let me tell you what you're looking at. This is a live feed from what's called Clarity Elections. And Clarity Elections, until recently, or maybe still, there's a lot of debate about that, has server in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, and the votes from 28 uh, states go there, and that's what is the feed into to CNN goes through the Associated Press or Decision Desk HQ, but it's a feed through. So what you see here is the live feed, and then the banner down here is created by CNN. And um, you'll notice that in both cases, Bashir has this 673,000, and Matt Bevan has 662,000. So it's late in the evening, 95% of the votes are in. This was the last show, Anderson Cooper of the night. And what I'm gonna do is I want you to watch this because there will be an update here and then a split second later, this will update to match it. But first we're just gonna watch it all the way through. It's just a few seconds. And then we're gonna come back and frame by frame show you what you missed. So go ahead and play it so they can see it. Here they are talking, watch this. Boom, there's the update. And now this guy is chatting. So now, if I can, if you would pull it back <clears throat> a little bit until, yeah. All right, and then all we need to do is right here. Now the update has occurred. I want you to notice Andy Bashir in the update now has 674,508 votes where they haven't updated this yet. He had 673,948. So 
just like you'd expect in any update, Andy Bashir has picked up 560 votes. But let's look at the case of Matt Bevan. Matt Bevan had 661, 675 now, but a minute ago he had 662, 235. So he has just gone down 560 votes at the exact same second that Bashir has gone up 560 votes. This is the kind of thing that goes on inside the computers and we're going to walk through today some of the reasons why that actually happens and we're going to show you some real hard evidence uh, from this race, uh, this presidential race, why this sort of thing needs to go away. Um, this, this is the kind of thing that um, the American people do not want in their voting system. That's excellent. I don't know. We, let's have anything else in this slide or should we go to the next nope, slide? let's go to the next one. Okay. So most people don't know what the voting system really uh, looks like. And um, so just to give you an idea, this is uh, the voting place where you are and you and I vote here. And then it goes into central counting. And this is very generalized, by the way. And you've got poll books and voter rolls. You've got databases. You have tabulation software, reporting software. You have what's called an unofficial database and an official database. And the storyline, of course, is that none of this is connected to the Internet. The truth of the matter is everything in red is complete total Internet. So it's completely connected all the way back here to the Internet. And the idea is that there is this, quote, official database that's not. But the truth is, when our guys looked at it, we realized they're both behind the same firewall. And so it's very easy if you could move votes down here to the unofficial to then move them into the official, which, whenever it's certified, goes to the Secretary of State. Couple of points. It is connected to the internet. Anyone that tells you it's not is, is just being ridiculous. In fact, if you look at any vote company's manuals, you know, step one, connect it to the internet. So okay, there can it I is. jump in and ask a quick question? Is, is part of the reason, I'm glad you're doing this, part of the reason that we're going over this is this is one of the defenses of the people This were not connected to the internet. That's one of the defenses they say that says proving therefore none of this election fraud could be occurring in the way you're saying. So that's an important point to hammer back. Yes, they are connected to the internet. Takes away a major first line defense. Sure. And of course, only common sense because after all, how do all these counties report to the media on election night like that if it's not connected to the internet. Of course it's connected to the internet. And the fact is these two are not firewalled from each other. They are not. So we can go and, and push votes back here. So your vote goes here and it may go there by a, uh, a thumb drive. It may go there by a PCMIA card. It may go there by a modem. It may go there wirelessly over the internet. But this is a vulnerable place and we found ways that we could go in and actually switch votes at this level. Let's go to this level. We also found we could go in and we could change the actual tabulation software. This is the software that sort of adds up and keeps track of, of how the votes are and where they are. Let's go to the next one. We also found that we could change, in many cases, the unofficial database itself. We could go in. We found lots of instances where the, uh, the intruder tracking software on that database is turned off. 
as well as the uh, security software is turned off. We also found that we could go in to most of these companies. Um, they, were, they were nice enough that if you reveal the hidden files on their public facing sites, um, they post the passwords. They post the administrator name. So we can go in here and change the software, which of course gets loaded here and eventually gets loaded here. Can so, I jump in again? I'm sorry, I, I, I'll feel really bad if I ever make you lose your train of thought, but the relevance that we're talking about right now is your team of cyber experts was able to get into this data, which most people assume is private and protected, but they were actually able to get in it to see it to start with. Oh yeah. And they're able to see the passwords that were actually being used by the voter election officials in entering or revising this data. That's the passwords they're seeing. Correct, they're, they're, they're not being protected. And, and the fact is, none of this requires anything that, that uh, would, would be called hacking or anything. This was just all standard tools. They just use standard tools to find okay. all of this stuff. So it was amazing. Um, we can trace, by the way, then, that boats go from here to one of several places uh, that are all internet. But the one we're gonna talk about right now is Clarity because we saw um, some problems there. Clarity stores a lot of their files up on the AWS cloud. They have S3 bucket vulnerabilities that had our guys wanted to, we could have easily exploited and gone in there. Um, Clarity, by the way, is owned by a company called Seidel. That's, uh, that's a Barcelona, Spain company, and the server is in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, and so all this stuff is here, and then it flows here. Now, the point I want you to understand is that if you can change the votes here, you can download them back here. If you change the votes here, you can download them here. But we've already said you could also change votes here and here. And what we found is that the audit logs are what these companies call voluntary, so that they're not really uh, particularly good audit logs. And you can go in and do these sorts of things and uh, do it pretty much undetected, or you can even change the audit trail. So it, it was very serious. And the reason to walk you through all of these is that what we have seen in this election is that there have been multiple places and ways that the game is being played now. It's looking a lot more like Venezuela than the United States. So let's go to the next one. So just for fun, uh, we, we uh, teamed up with some folks, uh, openrecords.org, and they did a fabulous job. They downloaded the files uh, of the cumulative voting every day so that uh, on a Tuesday they would download the voter record of, of every single person that, that voted. And we, we used the hash, which is simply the addition of all the zeros and ones that are in that file. And we use that hash to be a unique identifier for that vote record. Now, we for that would, vote log, vote. for that vote record, record, okay, individual voting records. So we would see those on Tuesday, and then Wednesday we would get supposedly Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Thursday we'd get Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and suddenly we started seeing Tuesday's hash change. Now, the only way Tuesday's hash changes is if that vote is being tampered with. Because that hash 
is the zeros and ones added up in that entire voting record. And that was just amazing because that allowed us to track at least a lot of what was going on. There were 57,000 votes in Dallas County whose hashes were either modified or the vote itself disappeared in this last election. We, uh, we ended up calling people phantoms, ghosts, and then outright purges. Purges, of course, was your vote was just absolutely purged and it went away. And there were, I forget, like 5,000 of those. Uh, phantoms, those are people that check in and they say, hey, I'm here to vote. And um, the check-in people say, sorry, you've already voted. And they say, well, no, we haven't already voted. And phantoms come about a couple of ways. Either one, a ballot is cast somehow and uh, not associated with someone. And so the voting people go ahead and associate it with someone. And then that someone happens to show up later and want to vote. That's one way. Uh, there can be mismatches in the databases so that you go in and vote as George Williams, but your vote is attributed to Bill Smith. Uh, there are lots of reasons, but there were, there were a lot of phantoms. And then ghosts, and ghosts are people who are living and voting from your house, except you've never seen them and never met them. And um, if you go to openrecords.org, there's a little uh, uh, link there that allows you to search with your street address in uh, Dallas County records, and you'll find out who's living at your house that you've never met or seen. Really bad, okay. Yeah. You gotta love it, right? So, so anyway, uh, and incidentally, for those of you living in, in Highland Park in Dallas, we saw 10 full blocks of all those votes purged, completely wiped out, and then selectively, not all of them, but selectively over the next few days, brought back, but with different hashes. Okay, let me go back to your, your figure of 57,000 votes in Dallas altered during early voting. Mm -hmm. Is that a kind of thing where um, it could be, I mean, if you're the defender of the Dallas system and you say we're perfect, that's a normal thing. Is there any logical explanation, any explanation you would know of that they, they would give and say, oh, that's just because we do something in the system. Is there any logical explanation? Not like that, no. Once your vote goes in and your vote record is attached, that should be sacrosanct. It should not change. Like the bucket of apples. Put, you put those 12 apples in, that's what's there. Yep. Okay, and then on the people who, a particular neighborhood, which is very odd uh, that that was removed, only partially, partially uh, re-uploaded, um, no explanation for that makes sense. I mean, there's, I, I'm just trying to figure, because this is- Not, I, not I, this, not this. No, that makes no sense at all. We saw people who were purged because uh, in some cases they double voted and got caught. We saw people who were purged because um, they got mail-in ballots yeah. uh, two or three times uh, and were good enough to, to say so. We saw votes that, we saw the mail-in ballots that people brought in and canceled. We saw all that, but there were still 5,000 purges a little over that, maybe 5,200, for which there's absolutely no good explanation. We, we saw some poor guy, uh, a Biden voter actually, who um, went and, uh, and they went to vote and they said, well, you've you got a mail-in ballot, you have to bring it in. And they said, well, no, we didn't, we didn't get one. And they had a big argument. And so they finally went home and got and looked around, dug through the mail, sure enough, here were these mail-in ballots. So they took them back to the voting place and um, they turned them in, had them canceled, and then they got to go vote. 
and they did. That's the way it's supposed to work. Yeah, and then the next day we saw their boat get purged. Wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. you can't hey, win for losing. One thing I want to jump in and say, though, about this is I love, you're talking about Dallas County, which is where we happen to be, but this is really for our listeners. This is anybody understanding if people can do this in Dallas where, you know, we, 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 Texas, turned down the Dominion voting machines because they were problematic, but yet we have other equipment. This is just a. This isn't. It's just an attack or critique on Dallas County. This is what the vote. This shows the vulnerability of electronic voting machines that could be happening anywhere in America. Oh yeah, it's and we're not. we're going to show you exactly how some of this really ends up looking this way. Okay. Okay. So you're right next. So let's go to the next one. Uh, we talked about ghosts. Uh, these happen to be four ghosts that are living at this address. Uh, actually, there's another one. We saw a ghost get added during it. Now, it's interesting because this person lives in New York. Everyone else lives in Australia. But they all got mail-in ballots, and they all voted in this election. Uh, and we talked about phantoms, and we talked about that. So we kind of went over that. But openrecords.org will give you a wonderful report about what actually was found and what went on here. Okay, one thing, just I'm trying to anticipate people saying, well, that, I mean, these are relatively common names. These four names are listed. So the way you can tell that these really are the same person who lives in Australia, for example, I yeah. mean, is it because they, is it the VUID that they're, I mean, how do you know that that's not a different Kimberly Ann? Well, because uh, we were able to find the street that they live on. They live on Greycloose in New South Wales, Australia. <laughs> that's, that's where they actually live. And so it really wasn't very hard. And then we went out on social media. We looked at them. This, uh, let's see, we're, we're missing uh, Rose uh, Orlando. She is, she actually doesn't even look old enough to be voting on our social media. But uh, anyway, so they're all, they're all in Australia. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, the first thing you need to know, and, th and this has been all over the news, and there have been all kinds of discussion about it, but the truth of the matter is, uh, in all these voting systems, and, and many of them are quite similar, for instance, ES&S and Dominion uh, share a common ancestor in uh, Diebold, because at one point ES&S had Diebold and then they sold off part for certain antitrust reasons in 2010, I think. Uh, and so Dominion ended up with some of theirs. And they also relate back to a company called uh, Smartmatic. So there's lots of uh, incestuous and generational stuff going on in all these voting companies. Dominion is the one that is under such scrutiny right now. Um, <clears throat> and uh, and they're having kind of a hard time. The Pennsylvania legislators last Friday were going to uh, to question Dominion. They wanted to talk about this, and I happen to have some personal knowledge of about 82 questions that were given to the legislators to ask Dominion the next day. And with an hour of the time that those questions were delivered. Dominion decided that they did not want to attend the hearing and they lawyered up. And we've been seeing all their people start getting off of LinkedIn. I mean, it's like, this is not how people act really when they're innocent. Yeah, when they're telling the truth. I do want to have, I know you're going to go into the details, but what is an algorithm? Well, an algorithm is just a mathematical formula that um, can take either 
uh, constant intake variables or changing intake variables, run it through a mathematical formula and spit out an answer. And in the case of, of what goes on here, this is something that no one really seems to understand. These voting systems, when they're using their algorithm, which in the case of Dominion is called ranked choice voting, these, these algorithms are no longer counting votes. If you vote and I vote and Matt votes and two of us vote for one person and one of us votes for the other, we expect that to be two votes and one vote. But that's not what these systems do. These systems take all three of our votes and they put them in the same bucket and then they award them on a point system so that the guy we both voted for may get, instead of two votes, one and three quarters votes, and the person you voted for happens to get one and a quarter vote. I'm sorry, that the way you're describing is not the way it's supposed to be, or this is acceptable, this is the way it's been for years, and it's fine to do this assigning points versus tallying oh, no, votes. that's absolutely wrong. You should okay. never be. Right. I mean, I'm fooling with your vote. I'm taking a percentage. I don't know about you, Deb. I've never been able to go in and, and cast 1.32 votes. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah. that's what this does. So this is built into the software, not just in, not just in Dominion systems, but in, in other voting systems yeah. as well. But, but this happens to be Dominion. And you can go to their Democracy Suite user manuals, section 11.2.2, ranked choice voting. And it'll go through there and it will tell you exactly that. Um, so, and this is, this is the exact manual that it comes from. So let's, let's go on and let me show you something else you'll enjoy here. Now, let's talk about what the algorithm is. <clears throat> the algorithm comes from something called SMOTE, and that stands for Synthetic Minority Oversampling Technique. And it's, a, it's an offshoot of SMOTE and in, in Dominion's case, it's called the Weighted Inclusive Gregory Method. And you know they're doing it because this is actually a screenshot, and you see right here, it says, hey, the, the algorithm I want to use is the Weighted Inclusive Gregory Method. So this is not a secret. It's right there in their own operating manual. This is hard evidence that, A, there is an algorithm. And in a minute, I'm going to show you hard evidence that votes are being awarded by an algorithm instead of how you actually A tally. Vote. Yeah, instead of yeah. a tally. I want to ask you about algorithm, though. Again, this, this concept, because I think that people hear this word, and if you're not math-oriented, as I am not, you just, you, to understand the many variables they could introduce. For example, you could say algorithm, I'm not saying this exists precisely, but, you know, for every um, five votes for Trump, you know, award 10 for Biden. I mean, something you sure. could set a simple rule like that. Or you could say for every five votes for Trump, give Biden 10, but if Biden comes up to in excess of 55% of the tally in that district, then pull back. I mean, you can vary the algorithm based Absolutely. on vote total. And you can make Absolutely. the algorithm adjust almost any way. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. In fact, it's important when you start looking at, at uh, some of these, and uh, I'm gonna show you an example in uh, some results in Pennsylvania, how a guy on Rumble did some great work. Uh, I don't know who the guy is, but, but he did great work in trying to start untangle what exact 
algorithm is being used here. And we're going to get there, but to get there, I'll, I need to go, let's go to the next slide. And I want people to notice this little paragraph right here. Continuing ballots first round. Each round will reuse the total number of ballots assigned to candidates in the first round for each subsequent round. Therefore, the threshold will remain the same throughout the tabulation. What does all that mean? Well, threshold is what you were talking about, Deb, when you say, well, if you get up to 5,000 votes, then something needs to change. Or if you get up to 60%, something needs to change. 60% or 5,000 votes, those are all examples of a threshold that then changes the algorithm and it either goes and works somewhere else or it changes something internally. But in all these cases, it's taking buckets of votes and it's manipulating them. Okay? So it's interesting to know that this one says, hey, I can download a whole bunch of rounds and just keep using the same uh, vote allocation that I have been using in other, other cases. So let's go ahead. Let's move ahead to the next one. See, that was the one. So how do you know if, uh, uh, an algorithm is being used? Well, actually, it's not very hard. This happens to be a screenshot of raw data. You'll see the timestamps here, et cetera. And you'll see Trump votes are uh, 1,925,865.66. Wow, someone's only a 0.66 person. Uh, apparently, it was a very <laughs> short person or a very young person who cast it. And a million six fifteen seven oh seven fifty two. So all of the votes have decimal points. Okay, where did you get this data? Uh, this was pulled off. Uh, I think this particular data may have come off of the uh, Michigan Secretary of State uh, site. Um, I think that's where this particular okay. screenshot came but from. The, oh. There was some New York Times uh, data that came out of Edison Research that's been used in a number of these too. Although I will tell you, interestingly enough, in the past 24 to 48 hours, we're starting to see all this data disappear off the... Uh, off I've been, the I was going to ask you about that. I've been hearing that. Yeah. Now, so what we're staring at is actual data, whether... I didn't mean to pinpoint necessarily the precise entity within Michigan, but... The notion is this is their data, not data you extrapolated. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. their this, data. All, is showing. Of, all of this study that I'm doing, this is publicly, it was publicly published, available data from either reporting sites like Edison Research or secretaries of states, or in some cases, even counties reported the data and, okay. and put it on their own county website. Dallas had, had data like this on its own website. Okay, so this is the decimal, for to having a term, the decimal point. Correct. The decimal, I mean, the point we're making is that the existence of decimals in a vote tabulation is signaling it's not a straight out vote, you know, 3,000 for this person, 2,000 for that. It is a fact that the a, a, an algorithm or calculation is being done, and you end up with a, with a non-even number. Correct. As the as the vote total, so the far right column, the most far furthest right, is Biden votes. The next one to the left of it is tr is Trump votes, and both of them have a decimal point and then some other numbers. So in all cases, those numbers are calculations, not straight up. I, I'm, I know I'm repeating, as my dad used to say, I'm repeating for emphasis, but this really matters. This is of crazy. Of course this matters, because it's we crazy. all think that it's a boat is a boat is a boat, and that's not what's happening. Yeah.
Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. Just this point alone. Make someone who's defending Dominion or whatever company, how do you defend a 0.52 vote? A 0.808 vote? How? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's, uh, oh, I will make one more point. This is raw data. Now, by the time you get up to reporting it, of course, they will round that to 866, so you don't see those decimals. You have to go look at the raw data to see really exactly where Which they're now taking down, so thank goodness you did. Go ahead. Yeah, okay, so go ahead. Um, so some guys, uh, a guy did some great work to try to, to see what happened in the algorithm. And it's amazing because if you look at a lot of this uh, timestamp data, let me tell you what happens is uh, votes come through in batches. Dominion, for instance, you load 50 ballots uh, to be counted in a batch, and that is a, a batch file. A physical piece of 50 pieces of paper? So, supposedly 50 pieces of paper. Okay. Okay, that's what's supposed to happen. And it goes through and it scans them all and it creates what's called a ballot image, which is really a picture of it. And then it's that ballot image that actually gets voted. Now, what happens is, <clears throat> if in that stack of 50 votes, you get a bad ballot, all of the votes will go into not the voted file in, in the computer, they will go into um, a different file, sort of a holding file. And um, they, they are then dealt with differently. And we're gonna come back to those in just a minute because they're an important part of the puzzle. But in this case, what, what we're looking at is let's assume that Trump at midnight had 200,000 votes and Biden had 100,000 votes and whoever wanted Mr. Biden to win needs to flip 100,000 votes in just to get even and then they need a margin of victory, so 110,000 votes. All right, let's go ahead, next. So 100,000 votes is the amount of votes, excuse me, 110,000 votes are the number of votes that you wanna flip. So what they can do is they can set up inside the algorithm various ratios so that this would award one vote for Trump in the bucket of votes for every 16 votes that Biden gets. This one could award one for every 48. This one would give Trump three for every 48. This would give five for every 31 and one for every 60. And by the way, these were observed in Pennsylvania's timestamp batch processing. And we, you see batches come through and these ratios are just being applied and applied and applied and applied. So then what happens, it would appear, is that there's a certain number of votes that this ratio is supposed to go get. And at such time as it gets that many, it disappears. So what happens? Well, the first thing that you see in Penn is that the one to 16, say they had to, to catch 4,000 votes, they go and they apply that ratio in the algorithm to precinct one, two, and three, and it runs for three hours. And then at the end of three hours, you see very clearly in the timestamps, boom, go ahead, please. That same ratio then gets assigned here. And it's supposed to run for four hours. Now, all the time it's running, when it was running here for three hours and running here for four hours, it was collecting votes. 
It hadn't got to 4,000 yet though. So then at the end of four hours, it flips into three more, two, yeah, three more precincts and it runs there for two hours. And during that time frame, it gets its full 4,000 votes and then boom, that algorithm is done. Okay, I gotta jump in. So these algorithms being set ahead of time, I, I mean, first of all, to back up, all the voting machines are supposed to be doing is measuring actual ballots. How many voted for Biden? How many for Trump? Correct. And you mentioned as you started this description that, that if there's a batch of ballots, 50 of them or whatever, and there's a, 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 some reason a troublesome ballot, then the whole bucket of, the, of that's, if it's in a bucket of 50, it gets put in a, sep a separate bucket. Because, okay, when you say soil, that could just mean because someone filled in both or some other problem is imperfectly filled out ballot. Is that, okay. So then they have, 49 ballots would have been fine, but one, and one was problematic. They all get put aside, and it's that bucket to which they're applying this algorithm that you're describing. Is that right? Uh, can be, can be, although they could actually manually go into that bucket and accept, reject, or change the ballots. You We're gonna come back to that. Okay, not physically manually, electronically manually well, keep, pull keep them out. Keep in mind, I said it takes a ballot image. That's an electronic okay. picture. And then when it goes into that, that bucket, uh, they, they can then pull that up and they can say, gee, what do they really mean? Uh, stray marks or got crumpled or, oh. uh, I think it really means he meant that vote. <laughs> yeah. And that's literally, uh, it's in the manual. Okay, okay. Yeah. But uh, these, these are all, these can all be flip votes because remember that assuming it doesn't go into that bucket where they're going to manually be able to play with it it goes into the regular vote man that's what this gets applied to this gets applied to the regular vote yeah. tally yeah. the tally okay and you do you you go through here now the way you get decimals is if you have a 1 to 16 what happens if um you know 54 votes come through well it's not all even and so now you start having to can get decimal places as it tries to allocate those. This is, I, I, to state the obvious, not counting. This is not no. counting votes. No, no, it this is, is rigging votes. Rigging votes. Yeah, this is rigging elections. This is what they do in Venezuela. Not supposed to be doing that in the United States, yeah. but okay. this is what happened. And so I'm pretty sure this is why Dominion didn't really want to come and have a conversation with the Pennsylvania legislature. But that's, that's kind of how it works. So yeah. that's, that is one level of uh, how you rig an election is with an algorithm. But let's let's talk about that. Re go, let's go back one. Remember we said X equals 110,000. But what happens if despite it all, this guy keeps doing in, in places where it's not being rigged, what happens if 110 isn't enough? Like on election night? <laughs> We, we, we have, uh, we have some, some things that can be done then too. Don't worry. Go ahead. Um, so the points I want to make that we've all gone through. They go into a computer bucket and points are awarded based on an algorithm. Um, one bad ballot and a 50 ballot counting batch can cause that whole batch to go into that adjudication file. That's actually what they call it in, okay. the, in the software manual. And that's really controlled by the operators. Um, and that is one way you can create huge numbers of votes in huge 
spikes because you could literally park a lot of votes in there and then suddenly just say, okay, assign them all to one guy, boom, or assign 90% of them to one guy. Mm -hmm. So let's look at that. This is what we observe. These, this happens to be Michigan, and this is what we call uh, a, a ballot velocity. In other words, the speed with which ballots are being counted, supposedly being counted into the system. And what was interesting about this is if you look at Kent County, Macomb, Oakland, and Wayne County, you'll see as the evening went on, and now we're like six o'clock in the morning, uh, suddenly you start seeing these huge, huge numbers of ballots being counted. So, so the, the spike is faster counting, allegedly. Yeah, You're not supposed yeah, to reflect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This, is, this is how many ballots suddenly hit. And we have the time frame that all of these ballots actually hit. So we know how long it took to process all those votes. We also know how many pieces of equipment were at all those locations. And so the math gets to be pretty simple. And what basically this tells you is that if you are driving a Volkswagen Jetta and the policeman pulls you over for doing 540 miles an hour, you're supposed to believe that that Jetta could do it because the policeman told you. Same thing. <laughs> there is no way the equipment on hand could have processed anywhere near that number of ballots. It is physically completely impossible. And the wow. numbers are huge. I mean, I, I think this was, uh, I think this was like 280,000 in just these four spikes. Too many, uh, too many ballots. Yep. So people talk about, well, is there evidence? Yeah, this, this right here is more than evidence. It's proof that something is wrong, just like decimals are proof that something is wrong. Well, decimals, impossible counting speeds. Has there been a response from Michigan? I don't know if anyone has had to try to explain this. No one in the Michigan system has tried to, okay. No, okay. Let's, uh, let's see here. Another thing that's interesting, this happens to be Minnesota data. All these townships, huh, look at these turnout percentages. Is that registered voters turning out? This is how many people voted compared to the registered voters. Yeah, okay. So three and a half people voted for every registered voter in Benville. 144, I mean 1.44 voted for, you know, the national average is generally around 60, 65. And yeah, yeah, and those are for good elections and people are into it. If, and in fact, when we look back there, there was like 3,200 precincts that had 100 plus, actually 99 plus percent turnout. Totally impossible. Yeah, and again, any word from Minnesota, any nope. accounting for this? Nope, not yet. Because, uh, yeah. No, we, don't, we just said, hey, let's just take it to 80%. Let's not go all the way down to 65 or 70 or yeah. Let's just go down to 80, which is still healthy. really outside the realm of rational. Yeah, very healthy turnout. But if we do that, this is 400 and I think four, over 400,000 votes, like 430,000 or 470,000. I forget, I've gone through so many numbers in the last few days. But the point is, this is 400,000-something votes in Minnesota. 
It's simply breathtaking. And actually, at this point, now that you're laying this out, and I don't know how much of what you're saying has been seen by elected officials, seen by election people, but the idea this kind of information exists, and there's so little pushback, um, certainly by the Democrats, no, no willingness to doubt the data, but even, frankly, on the Republican side, a lot of them say, hey, can't we move along? You know, it, it looks like it's all over. This is massive because it really, and I, I will get to it later, but there's a lot of concern. People say, well, this is just going to undermine, exposing all of this will undermine America's faith in the election system. Well, it should be undermined, actually. Actually, it, it should, should be. be very, it, very it concerned, be. not uh, just this, ignore it. This, this is important no matter who wins this election because what, what we're really interested in is that we just get rid of all of this kind of voting. This is absolutely, completely unacceptable in yep. a country that prides itself on liberty, freedom, a constitution, a rule of law, uh, and then this kind of thing. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So, when people say, so how do you really describe the voting system? The voting system, I think, can best be understood as a casino. Sounds you know, like. <laughs> people don't understand though, casinos, it's not a bunch of disparate slot machines. A casino is a uniform functioning organism. And every slot machine is reporting back to a central computer as to how it's doing. How many quarters or dimes or dollars or whatever, I don't know, I've never really gone and plugged anything in a slot machine, so I don't know. Uh, but I have learned a little bit about them. And what they're doing is they're reporting back how they're doing. And you can actually, from the computer, change the odds on the slot machine. So that as the uh, evening goes on, you can simply say, hey, I'm not making enough money. Let's bump up the odds of these guys losing just a couple of points until we kind of get <clears throat> back to the profit we really need to be making so that they think they're getting low-cost food and great entertainment for free. Right. We're just getting it back at the table. That's how a casino works. And that's really what we're trying to tell you in the American voting system is as the evening goes on on Election Day, particularly this time, uh, it was harder to do previously because previously you hadn't had this predicate of hundreds of thousands of, of potential paper ballots that could be brought in after the polls close and say, here, take and use these too. And what's very interesting about that is that we have thousands now of affidavits that we've seen from people who are in some of these county places and they're seeing paper ballots and, and even some of the people who've been in these audits are coming forth now with affidavits that they're going through all these paper ballots and they go through their 50 to stack and they all look right and then they get to about four stacks of them and they're utterly, completely pristine. Yeah. And they yeah. are perfectly marked. And in a lot of cases, they're only marked for one race. And why that is, because I was just reading about that, why that's obviously so unusual is if you do a mail-in ballot, you simply must fold it and you put it in the mail and it goes to the mail. You know, everything you get at your house, some letters arrive, they've been crumpled, they're wrinkled. These look like they just came off the printer. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you something else. Remember I talked about that adjudication file? Mm -hmm. It's possible that you can go and fill it up with blank ballots. The system doesn't prevent you from doing that. No. 
You could fill them up with blank ballots, and as you need them, you could vote them, and you could then bring in paper. Not saying that's what happened. Don't know. But they could. But they could. I'm going to go back to the election. I'm that's sorry. That's how bad the system is. That's a system criticism. That's not saying that's what somebody yeah. did. Okay. I love your analogy, casino. Mine was very simplistic about a bucket of apples, but you know, the concept of you'd think of your vote as a physical thing, and I put my ballot in, it's sitting there, and that's where it is, like, a, like an apple. But this notion of the entire system being orchestrated as a casino is, as you say at the top, in a casino, the house always wins. Everyone recognizes this. It's why smart people don't go gamble their money away, or they cap if they're going to do anything there, because they know that its system is set up. Because if everybody who ever gambled won, then the casino will close down. And so they, they can't have that happen. So to think of that, that is actually, after everything you've laid out, that's really a good analogy. And that's really, uh, it's orchestrated behind the scene the, the outcome of the election, and you don't see it because you know I voted, I know how I voted, and I'm trusting the system, and there it is. Okay. There it is. Well, you have one more thing. Actually, I want to be sure you get to say it. So oh. uh, we're going to tell later. Um, I, I put it in this thing uh, okay. about supporting ASOG. Okay, so later in the show, we're going to be talking about all the ways you can help. Do not just sit home and fret about how terrible things are, and isn't this awful? There are many things American people could be doing. In fact, there's that great uh, beginning of every Project Veritas video. It just says, do something. Just yeah. do something. One way thing, if you're interested, you're interested, you can support the organization Russ Ramsland co-founded and heads up ASOG, Allied Security Operations Group. I'm going to tell our listeners, we're going to take the slides that you've been watching today, because someone's texting me saying they're a little bit hard to read on the screen. I will have them available on our website, so you can go through those slides yourself. But I want you to see you can support his organization. And it's a little more complicated. Do you want to explain this at all, Russ, very quickly, how they can support your work? Sure. Um, we are all self-funded. No one is paying us. We're, we're uh, as far as who... Whoever we're helping in one way or another, we are an all-volunteer army as far as they're concerned. We've, we've just said, you know what, it, it, just, it would take too long to get a campaign to hire us. It would take too long. And, and, and they're desperate for information and they're desperate for data analysis of the type that you've just seen. So we're all self-funded. Uh, people can either send us a contribution and that's where they would send it to. Or you, if you want to make a, uh, a 501c3, we're also being supported uh, as, a, as a service to the country from the Liberty Center for God and Country. Um, Keith Lewis, in my, who's my partner in this, um, if, if you'll just deliver the checks to us, we'll get them to the Liberty Center and, uh, and you'll get a, a charitable deduction. Okay. Listeners, actually, Matt, can you come back to me now for a second? Do not go away because you think that we're done. So this was letting Russ Ramson present all of his slides. I'm not going to go through some questions with him, uh, which are the hard questions, because obviously in our country you have all sorts of attacks on the conservatives, on President Trump, on Sidney Powell, on Trump's attorneys, and on Russ Ramson, and on ASOG about the idea, how dare you suggest that our election system has any difficulties or compromise to it. So I want to actually run through those questions. I sent them to, to I did send a rest ahead of time, but I want to be sure everyone understands. I want to ask them the hard questions because your friends will ask you these hard questions. So uh, I don't know if you want to come and sit down. Or you, you can. Sure. Okay. Yeah, come on back. Come on back. We're come to on our side. Back. Okay. Come on back. To the right side. Okay. Join, join the party. I want to articulate the case, and I want I want to do this. Articulate the case this is what we're saying here. Close the argument and urge you. You can do something. It is going to be up to the American people to resolve this issue of getting election 2020 correct through some today. 
not necessarily over, but necessarily by constitutional instruction, uh, the Electoral College will meet. Whatever happens is a whole other question. But I want to hit, so there were some stories, and I'm going to start with Dominion Voting System. Stories about Dominion Voting System having been set up and used in Venezuela uh, in Hugo Chavez's efforts to get kind of a permanent re-election ability. And so the, the Sidney Powell, I don't know if you're involved in this aspect at all, but Sidney Powell got an affidavit from someone who was claims to be at the table with Hugo Chavez and the Dominion people saying, I heard them explaining how, oh yeah, you can use this to assure that you always win. And, and so Dominion was agreeable at the table with Hugo Chavez. This is how you can do it. This is how you can win. And so I think that, and that affidavit, I think you can get it actually on Sidney Powell's website, or it will at least be released shortly. I think it's a video deposition, thank goodness of this guy, but it'll be available certainly when litigation begins, which is supposed to be the end of this week, the day after Thanksgiving, litigation begins. So on Dominion, I mean, a lot of people are saying, okay, well, that's Venezuela. You know, uh, Dominion is, you know, not only one of many systems being used in America. You can't possibly think America is as corrupt as Venezuela and Hugo Chavez. So what, what is kind of the answer to that? I mean, okay. Dominion, the system itself? Well, or Well, first off, there's a little misunderstanding. It wasn't Dominion that started with Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, it was Smartmatic. Smartmatic, sorry, Smartmatic, yes. Smartmatic. And um, Smartmatic uh, has counted votes all over the world. If you'd like to go look it up at Wikipedia, you can, and you'll find out they have had uh, stolen, fraudulent, bad elections all over the world. Um, and But it is their software, uh, parts of their software, that are licensed to Dominion. And you can actually see the ex-chairman, Lord Mark Malik Brown, is, uh, is bragging about that. There's an internet clip out there yep. of him bragging about the fact that Dominion now licenses a lot of that software. Uh, Smartmatic now counts votes in this country. They count votes in LA. They have a West Coast office and an East Coast office, but their software, or parts of their software, are in the Dominion system. So there's a tight relationship we have seen old versions of the source code of all of these, and uh, they, they've been out on the, on the dark web for quite a while. Smartmatic has. And, and Dominion and all these guys. I mean, lots of people have seen their source code. And what's striking about it is that it all has the same structure as Smartmatic's software that was first put together and deployed down there in Venezuela in 2000. Okay, you used the expression previously, uh, shared ancestry, and mm -hmm. part of what people are concerned about is that, so to fix this, do we just, if we just don't permit Dominion to be used, or we just outlaw Smartmatic, but are the, is the electronic voting system in America, is it just Dominion and Smartmatic who are the problems? I know you previously said no, but, but wh where does the vulnerability occur? Is it in, in all the electronic voting systems that are used in America? Yes, yes. Every electronic voting system has its own problems, although, Heart is a little different set of uh, can of worms than like ESNS and and Dominion and Smartmatic and all of those, and uh, but it is interesting. I just uh, was reading uh, about 20 minutes before the show start. A guy did a very interesting study of, uh, for instance, who was winning by voting company, and if you look at that, you'll find out that if you uh, if you live in a place where Heart or Dominion counts your votes. Biden gets 78% of the votes. But if you live in a place where ES and S or some of the others count your votes, 
then Biden gets about 40% of the votes. Wow. Is that a fun one? Yeah. I don't know what that proves. I don't know that it proves anything except that y'all really need to have an investigation into this mess. Absolutely. Okay, so back to Dominion voting systems, you made reference to it er earlier, but they've been asked by the Pennsylvania legislature, because all what you're describing, various uh, allegations about fraud, Dominion was being brought in to the legislature, whose job it is to certify the election results. And they right. were wanting to say, hey, you know, before you certify, can you, can you come in and answer questions? And I want to just be sure our listeners got this, what you were saying, there was a set of questions that experts prepared to give to the legislators to say, here's what you should ask Dominion. Because you can imagine, I mean, there are many legislators who are just very smart people, but they aren't necessarily savvy on, on the um, details and, and of how voting systems work. And so to get experts to help them know what to ask is very important, very basic, very, very you know, Correct. what they should be doing. So tell again, you, you were aware of the questions, they're submitted to legislature, and then what did what happened with Dominion? Well, Thursday afternoon, they got submitted to the legislators, and it looks to be about an hour later, suddenly Dominion said, you know what, we're not gonna show up after all, and they started hiring lawyers. Always a bad sign. Lawyers are not all bad, but hiring lawyers is usually a sign you're a little worried. Okay, yeah. what, I mean, it, it is the kind of thing, you know, Americans are allowed to use common sense. As we were saying earlier, you know, I think we, before we, you're allowed to use common sense and Americans can draw conclusions from observations about how successful Trump was in his campaign and how unsuccessful Biden was, how he didn't go anyplace, he stayed in his basement, he made no sense when he did come out. And all the data we talked about, about the counties that are just bellwether, always right, and they all went for Trump except one. Uh, you can look at that data. You're allowed to use common sense. And yep. the common sense conclusion, Dominion, if you were running a tight ship and it was legal and it was ethical and you were proud of how your company functioned, you just wouldn't lawyer up. No, you wouldn't lawyer up and you would be glad to, to stand in front of a bunch of legislators and be more than happy, I would think, to answer their question. Oh, absolutely true, absolutely true. Okay, so you know the other thing that's happening, I meant to say this in the beginning, but part of what's happening in the media coverage of all of this is this assumption that somehow people alleging uh, electronic vote fraud, I mean, just, just not, I mean, election fraud, not vote fraud, we've been over many times and show the distinction, but not the vote fraud like dead people voting and other things like that, but election fraud, the manipulation of data. Um, people have been arguing the idea or the presumption is if anyone challenges electronic data accuracy, that you've got some duty to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you're tr that's true, that you have, you know, exposed fraud and the election should be thrown out. It's a really important thing to understand. Sydney Powell at this point is not uh, employed by the Department of Justice. She is not filing criminal cases. She cannot prosecute. She can file civil cases on behalf of various plaintiffs in various states. All that's required is a preponderance of the evidence. And while that may seem like a little bit of legal mumbo jumbo, the simple fact is, if Americans want the truth to come out about this election, you have to recognize there are not going to be, I mean, maybe you'll get someone who will somehow realize they've got caught up in this and they would like to turn state's evidence and tell the whole story, but you're trying to prove your case in court based on all sorts of data, like you were just watching Russ Ramsden present, data in forms of affidavits uh, literally there are the thousands and thousands of affidavits they've collected around this country but all they have to show 
is a you know not a proof beyond a reasonable doubt, but just a preponderance of the evidence. Something's really wrong here. Our legal system has survived because we have a difference in the standard of evidence. And if in the case of the civil litigation that's been filed by and will be filed by the end of the week, especially by Sidney Powell, where we're going to end up is more courts being aware of this kind of information, being aware that they're not just minor anomalies that seem really strange, but maybe there's some explanation, but truly impossible, statistically impossible, humanly impossible things. That evidence is going to make its way to the Supreme Court, and that's going to be the kind of thing the Supreme Court is going to look at and say, and they have a wide range of equitable remedies they could embrace, the Supreme Court does, and there's several steps along the way, but assuming it's all the Supreme Court, and the American people need to understand, you don't have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that vote fraud happened. You have to raise enough suspicion so the court, with its ultimate job of holding, holding America together, the court has to be able to say some remedy other than simply accepting these fraudulent votes must occur. And I, I want, wanted to get off on that. You know, this mainstream narrative seem, seems to be arguing that, you know, you don't have proof beyond a reasonable doubt, so you should just be quiet. And I think what you guys have done, what Sidney Powell's raising, it's extraordinary. Okay. So, I, and you want to comment on that at all? I have a bunch of well, questions here. Well, you know, if you have to go in day one with, with uh, proof beyond a reasonable uh, doubt at all, then in, in essence, you're putting this in the position of saying, who shot John? And we've got to declare who shot John before we ever do an investigation of yeah. who shot John. And that's not the way that the legal system works. You go in with a reasonable doubt and then you get to, to uh, uh, start looking at the real evidence. You get to go and forensically examine some of these machines. Uh, you get to, to see what really went on. Yeah, and, and it's vital. And as it makes its way to the court, which it eventually will, or maybe more than one piece of litigation will make it to the Supreme Court, they've got to make the decision. Can they, as a Supreme Court, and their uh, power they have eventually over this election, can they simply conclude there's so much fraud that was a, an election filled with, you know, filled with fraud, and it can't be, it cannot be the way we Americans move forward. Then they've got all sorts of other options. But I'm going to go back to my other questions for you. So back in Texas in 2018, Dominion presented is wanted to be want to have texas contract with them and become their uh that have a, a texas by dominion uh, voting machines and there were i think three instances where there was presentation made and texas turned them down correct why was, was that there was what was called a pen test penetra uh, penetration test of them and um what, what what really happens is that there is texas law that a what a voting uh, system is supposed to be able to do and then there's the Secretary of State that certifies this one this one and this one this is the way it works in Texas uh, these two or three or four all meet that to a reasonable degree and then counties can go and pick from those as to who they'd like to do now the truth of the matter is Deb there is not a voting system in use in the state of Texas that actually meets the requirements for just an audit law. And so we just had to choose among the available ones and that's why there wasn't one percent that was that was could meet all the standards. Is I, that correct? I don't know why the decisions were made, but I can tell you that it's very, very clear that there is not a system in use in Texas right now that would meet anywhere close to what is the law. But those those people have been uh, certified to be able to do here. Keep in mind 
there are no uh, federal standards for uh, election software security. There just aren't any. That was one of the main things I want to get you. I'm so glad we want to get you it right now. I think people assume we're, we're regulated to death in so many other ways in America that voting systems of all things would be regulated by the federal government and have standards to meet and tests to meet. How do we, why would that even, I guess we, we kind of turned to electronic voting after the hanging chad problem in 2000 and we had the Help America Vote Act in three or four, whatever that was. Um, no, it was 2002. Two, okay. Mm -hmm. And then we said, okay, everyone's going to scurry out and get on to electronic voting machines. And we, is it that we just got going on it before we realized we didn't have adequate protection in place? Well, that's close. What happened, first off, realize that the hanging chad was a, kind of a bogus uh, deal in the first place because they were using the wrong paper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean we, we got into this mess because somebody who, uh, decided to uh, evidently save a little bit on going the cheap for the paper. Paper somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. boy, was this a mistake. Anyway, uh, so we got there and we got the HAVE Act, you're right, in 2002. And under that, there was first, uh, it was the, uh, Econ uh, the Elections Administration Commission. And they, uh, they had EAC 1.0, which began to address the physical equipment itself. It couldn't emit more radiation than this. It had to be able to deal with this much power surge. You couldn't, uh, it had to be able to deal with so much vibration or kicking or whatever else. And um, so it, it had some standards on the hardware itself. Then they were supposed to start writing security standards under EAC 2.0. And that's where the politics started. And ironically enough, originally, um, as I understand it, it was the Republicans that resisted EAC 2.0. And then the Democrats after a while went, Okay, that's fine with that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, on the Republican side, the kind of federalist argument probably was why the federal government elections are supposed to be the province, essentially the states. Mm -hmm. that, and so, you know, we shouldn't be up here in Washington dictating these things. But the, the net result was we didn't have enough regulation. Okay. Yeah, so but now other... keep in mind, keep in mind that we have NIST standards, N-I-S-T, that actually come out of the NSA for what security needs to be on any other kind of software. So it's not like they're not federal standards for the security on software. It's just that none of it applies to election software. Okay, I, I, I can't tell you how much I'm, well, we're gonna have a show coming up soon, not uh, with, a, with another guest who's talking about what the states can do to try to in the future. I mean, I, I mean, assuming we have the ability to pass legislation. Anyway, I wanna go on to the next thing. So right. part of the objection to all of your describing people, and, and Sidney Powell has said, you know, this certainly happened, this electronic uh, manipulation of, of voter software happened in the swing states we're all focusing on now. But she says it may have happened in every state, as far as she knows, every state. So the question is, doesn't that involve thousands of people? I mean, who, how many people would have to be aware of it and doing this to make this plausible? Well, keep in mind, just when you saw the, the chart I put up there, you can go in at numerous places and inject or change votes and backload them and push them back down the system. So you really don't have to have a lot of uh, people involved. Although in the case of Detroit, the guy that owns the patent on, on a lot of the Dominion system and is related to the whole Smoot algorithm actually was running the Detroit voting center while it was supposedly closed. 
That's an amazing fact. That is an amazing fact. So he's so we just think it's closed, but he's got the whole thing going behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. he, he, would okay. know, he would know more than anyone. Okay, so in this, but back to this story, so the people say, well, in this county, you know, we had the algorithm running and we had, we made these switches. I mean, are we talking like all of those changes? Let's pick a, say, any state, say Pennsylvania. One person could be doing all of this in every county, could set the algorithm in place, or, or had, I mean, who's doing this and what numbers? I don't mean their identity, their names, but what role they're playing and how many people? Well, for the most part, they're probably upper level uh, administrators if, if they're inside, if it's an inside job, then it's, it's certainly uh, people um, who have set up the system and probably have pushed down the software. For instance, uh, we know that uh, in the well-known case of uh, Antrim in, uh, in Michigan, that's the one where they had 6,000 votes that they know um, went from Trump to Biden. And they determined that because they did a real hand count audit and they went, holy smokes. That's how that came to light? Yeah. A hand audit? I, uh, have, I didn't know A that. hand okay. audit. And that's the only reason it came to light. Well, the first thing they announced was, oh, well, it was a glitch. And everybody said, a software glitch? Yeah, it was software. That's wow. what I read, software glitch. Yeah, well, but here, it only lasted for about 48 hours, and then it was all of about, no, 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 it was a clerical error. It was a clerical error. Why does that matter? Here's why it matters. You cannot, by law, uh, 90 days before December 8th in, in this year, you can't change the software without recertifying the system. Well, these changes were done in an update literally 24 to 48 hours before the polls opened. So that whole software update was, was wrong. It was in, that alone should get rid of the election. Well, that's why they said, oh, wait, it wasn't a software glitch. It was, uh, it, it was oh, a clerical. Oh, because once they acknowledge, oh my gosh, okay. Yeah, but here's what the, the glitch actually did. When, when you create a paper ballot, it, we've talked about it before, it's not looking at your ballot, it's looking at the little uh, barcodes yeah. that are generated that are supposed to represent your ballot. So you've got to calibrate the making of the barcode and, and the other piece of equipment, the reading of the barcode. Okay. And what it appears happened in the glitch, and it was a glitch, it wasn't a uh, clerical error, it probably exists in a whole bunch of counties in okay. Michigan, uh, is that those didn't sync up. That's what happened. So that the barcodes being created didn't sync up with the reader and where the reader said that barcode was pointing to on an electrical ballot. It was pointing to Joe Biden when in fact you had voted for Donald Trump. So that is true software. Is it a glitch? Was it purposeful? Was it accidental? Don't know, but I will tell you, there are at least 47 counties that got that update and every single one of them ought to be hand audited. Ought to be hand, at, at, at very least, okay. I'll tell you something um, people get concerned about too. I mean, I'm grateful so much, so grateful for what you guys do, what ASOG does, for Sydney Powell, what she does. But it's kind of shocking that, at least as <laughs> I'm aware, I mean, no, well, you're, no, not that, what you're saying is very shocking. I'm saying what's shocking is, so far, as, as the public can tell, the FBI, 
the DOJ has been silent. Now, maybe they're doing some things behind the scenes, but this seems like the most extraordinary, this is a, a theft of the most important election. I, I was saying before all this came around, just the very distinction in 2020 between the Marxist left and, and, the, and the right that still loves America and freedom and, and the constitution, it was monumental. And this appears to have been a theft of an election with, with mountains of evidence and no FBI or DOJ even inquiring so far. Do you have any thought about that? Why is that true? Well, we were told about 48 hours ago that um, the FBI now has opened an investigation. Who knows? I have no idea. They certainly wouldn't care about my opinion on the on the topic. They actually should, but go ahead. They, but, they should. Well, but the point is, we were told that they were opening an investigation. I, I hope they do. Um, but I hope that independent companies like ours or a bunch of others I could name who are equally good out there um, would still be able to, for uh, lawsuits like Sidney Powell, to go in and do forensics um, and yes. would not be uh, frozen out. Because uh, today there's about two or three companies that, that do most of the certifications and they too have some very interesting problems and issues. And because there's a lack of standards, uh, a lot of these guys, it's, it's a little cozy. They say, well, we'll certify you. There's no standard to meet, so let's talk about what we'll test and what we won't. And that's not a good thing. For okay. instance, in Georgia, they, they say, oh, well, we've looked at all the machines. And the first question was, well, did you look at the calibration between the barcode generator and reader? Oh, uh, no, we didn't look at that. So these reassurances, don't worry, we've looked at it all. In fact, that was one, I was going to get that point eventually. Um, somebody was talking about, well, we've, there's already been all these comparisons done. There's nothing to it. Uh, and Georgia's saying everything seems fine. But I'm, I want to go back to one other thing very quickly before I lose track of this. So um, this opening investigation, part of what would be helpful, to my understanding from a previous time you're on the show, is if you end up with a criminal investigation, this opens a capacity for, obviously, subpoenas for the, the criminal court, the courts to issue subpoenas, something that, that you, obviously, as a private entity, cannot accomplish. So, and, and didn't you find in your investigating that you ran up against a, a uh, you know, wall where you could not dig any further uh, forensically without a subpoena or some legal authority? Isn't that oh, part yeah. of the problem? Yeah. yeah so, you, you, you can't just go around and hack into Dominion and uh, take their source code or or uh, pull all their their data and stuff no that's a, that's against the law and we absolutely wouldn't want to wouldn't want to do that uh, as I said jokingly to somebody the other day orange is not in my color palette yeah and, uh, <laughs> well so. but on a serious note this is very important because you've discovered all you have without even the capacity for criminal subpoenas and right. you didn't and you did not violate the law you didn't go over the edge whatever the line is uh to where you're hacking and violating the law but this is another reason why people in the doj uh attorney general Barr and others should recognize they have tremendous capacity to do that which ultimately gets them to the truth that's what everyone should care about you know if biden won fair and square you know then i'm a gorilla but you know he didn't but but you know what if he won fair and square fine then we'll, we'll deal with that yeah but you can't even get to certainty and the truth without the criminal justice system getting involved and subpoenaing, right? I agree. I agree that with that, uh, okay. with that uh, completely. And I don't know to the extent that the DOJ is, is going to get involved or not. I, as I say, I did hear about 48 hours ago that, uh, that uh, the uh, uh, FBI is opening an investigation. 
Um, I don't know, uh, you know, we, we still don't know what happened in Barcelona with the, uh, the disappearing server. So um, I, I truly don't know what's going on behind the curtain. I don't okay. have any specific uh, special input or Yeah, insight. you don't have an inside line. Okay, so let me just ask this. There was another whole element of this. Actually, before I forget, one other, I have all these questions, good thing we're comfortable. Um, the other one is, so people are saying, well, the reason that this system or the doubts about the election should be cast aside is because look how well the Republicans did, as I was doing in the first five today. You know, no incumbent Republican lost. Uh, Republicans won a bunch of uh, unsettled seats. In fact, I think Republicans took 16 or something seats away or whatever it was that were Democrat held. So if someone is orchestrating all this to get Biden in and defeat Trump, why wouldn't they have done that, use that same algorithm thing to fight all these House victories for the Republicans? Well, keep in mind, my my concern first and foremost is, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about who wins. Of course, everybody wants their guy to win. But what I'm really concerned about is the process. That's what I'm really concerned about. And could you have, have run this algorithm on lots of other people? Of course, absolutely, you could have. But keep in mind, now that gets to be a bigger and bigger and bigger deal. And people say, well, you know, it's a big deal to run in 50 states. No, you really only need to run it, as we now know, in about seven battleground states. Yeah. And for so it's not, it's, an, it's a manageable problem when, because keep in mind too, that in some cases it appears that there were a lot of paper ballots manufactured to be able to match what shows up in the electronic voting system. Well, that gets really hard when you have to start doing that and you have to start doing that for all these other races at the same time. It gets to be a problem of just how much can you keep up with and do. And um, I think that, that uh, they really thought in a lot of cases they would do better than they did. I think the, the fact that you've seen they had to have these huge data dumps on top of algorithms in the presidential race meant that it probably put some of these down ballot races just too far out of reach to even play with. Now, that's just my supposition. I don't know, but it would make sense based on what we've seen. Yeah, I, I think my supposition, too, I don't know if the people who generate these algorithms would have thought, you know, that the American people write with us and, you know, Trump, he's a big problem and probably everything else. That I mean, if you're really a leftist and you really wanted Biden to win, so that's why you're orchestrating everything, you might have thought, oh, the people are with us, you know, there's going to be a, this blue wave is coming and they didn't work as hard as they could have on other races, but which means that the American people actually got what they wanted in those races. Okay, there was also talk about the idea that the polling ahead of time that had Biden up, you know, I don't know if we ever talked about, but polling, way, having Biden way ahead of what seemed realistic and states saying, oh, yeah, he's up by 10 points, 12 points, national average, all these big numbers. And, and President Trump has articulated the argument that the polling wasn't, and he had a term for it. Uh, let's see if I can find it quickly. Conditioning polls, trying mm -hmm. to condition people to believe that sure. Biden's victory was imminent. So is it your, do you have any... Uh, information about that? Any observation about, I mean, didn't that polling help a make a Biden victory seem more, more plausible? Well, uh, yeah, there is, I think in front of every campaign, there is a huge social media conditioning effort. And um, certainly you, you saw it in spades this time. I think we saw it in Texas to an extent with the blue wave in 2018. I think that there was massive fraud in Texas in 2018. I don't think the blue wave 
uh, really was a blue wave. It just ended up that looking that way, and we'd been conditioned to sort of say, yeah, we can, we can sort of see it that way. But in some of the races we looked at, um, they, were, they were just as suspect as, as this race. Pete Sessions was a perfect example of that. Oh yeah, uh, and, and, and the Pete's, you know, and I ran against Pete in 2015, or 2015, 2016. Uh, I ran against Pete, but uh, the truth of the matter was that um, Pete really did. I, I think his, uh, his race was rigged. And uh, his, his he's been the only guy that stood up. He's been the only guy that was willing to stand up and, and do anything about it. And of course, now he's gone down to Waco, he's gotten elected. And I think that he's going to, uh, I think he's going to stand pretty tall uh, about doing something about this problem because he's been a victim of it. He has. So you're talking about Pete Sessions being a victim of the 2018 elections where he lost, is that right? Losing, yeah, so he lost his seat in 2018. Right. Yeah. He lost it in 2018 to Colin Allred. Where there are many other suspicious outcomes in 2018, oh, yeah. saw, many other. Yeah. So why, why aren't we having someone in Texas look into this? Well, that's a very interesting yes, question, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I sir. can't answer that. I know that we have made many attempts to get the attention of Dan Patrick, who doesn't seem to want to be very interested in this topic. Um, I know that we have had the opportunity to uh, thoroughly brief Ken Paxton, who was willing to come in and, and look at it all, but I don't know that anything ever came of it. Uh, Governor Abbott doesn't seem to be concerned about it, and um, so I, I, frankly, I can't tell you. I think it, it's sort of like what you saw in Kentucky. It's sort of like what you're seeing now. Um, Republicans in general sort of take the oh, I just I don't want to be a sore loser. And, I know that is a big argument. Well, I don't and, look like a sore loser. And that, that's it. And so rather than uh, actually fight to enforce the law, they, uh, they end up swinging way over to the other side. Maybe they truly believe that there was a blue wave. I think that there was a three to 4% vote at least in almost every race in Texas that cannot be explained in any way, shape or form. In 2018. In 2018. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay, um, I also wanna ask you if all of this, because part of what Sidney Powell's been saying is this software problem, she talked about Venezuela, spread to Argentina, and, and you know, in varying degrees used around the world. Could this possibly exist as a real thing being done to actually sway elections without some entity like the CIA knowing about it? No, I, I'm, <laughs> no. They have to have some clue, what is, yeah, right? As we call them, the Culinary Institute of America. Yes. That's they, right. That's they what I was talking about. Clue. They have to have a clue. Absolutely. Oh, okay. So and you wonder where are we actually, you get in the whole thing about, I mean, obviously America during the most recent, this, this past four years, this Trump's first term, uh, became more and more suspicious of the FBI and CIA and Department of Justice because of their failure to, they seem to help along with the Russia collusion thing. Uh, which we're not going to today, except to say that Gina Haspel, you know, she was UK station chief uh, under Brennan, CIA. A lot of wonder, didn't these people see all this and why, why didn't they do anything? Okay, um, I want to say two other quick things. Um, one is I think that um, 
I, I don't want to leave this topic with some sense that, well, we have a big mess here. We have to have... <laughs> well, we do have a big mess. Well, well, we do, but we have to embrace the idea that we Americans, we can fix this, number one, even for this election cycle. And so there are the surrender squad. You had a nicer term. I'm calling the surrender squad. I recently saw a congresswoman, um, I couldn't think of her name, the one from Wyoming who's... Um, anyway, has recently been calling on President Trump to concede. Um, you know, she's just um, Cheney, Liz Cheney, calling on Trump to concede. Other people saying, well, he should concede. People, if Donald Trump lost fair and square, fine. Then we'll have the battle going forward about what policies and ideology best serve America. But we are entitled, this country is entitled to have the accurate count of legal voters determine the result of the presidential race. We are entitled to have truth emerge. And what I want to get back to you about, you know, is you've articulated the case brilliantly for the existence, not just the vulnerability of the system and the possibility of tampering, but the actual existence of evidence of it. So to close the argument on it, therefore, there has to be a willingness on the part of the American people to sit back and say, I want to support what Sidney Powell is trying to do. I want let her let her spell out her case. Let her say what she's found. Let the litigation go forward. And if we end up having a delay, even until the end of December, as the Supreme Court tries to deal with it until January 19th to figure out the right answer, then that has to be the outcome. We cannot have a, well, I guess, you know, next time we'll really fight. This is one reason why people in the past have become so upset with Republicans because they're just a surrender squad in Washington. It is time to fight. It's time for you to put pressure on your member of Congress and your senator to say, we want an investigation. We want you to get to the bottom of it. They cannot think that they can just sit in their comfortable offices in Washington and wait it out and figure they'll do whichever way, you know, the court goes fine with me. We need fighters in the public square in America. That's what we need, fires in the public square. Uh, Americans must resolve it. We must commit to ourselves. We are going to resolve it. I'm going to one more segment, a very quick thing on Sidney Powell. But do you have anything else to add to your presentation about today? No, I think that's pretty much it. Okay, I want to do very quickly on Sidney Powell. So um, every, obviously everybody saw that um, the ill-advised, I think, uh, statement put out by the Trump defense lawyers, maybe not ill-advised, but the Trump defense lawyers put out a statement that seemed to distance themselves from Sidney Powell. The statement was, Sidney Powell is practicing law on her own. She is not a member of the Trump legal team. She's also not a lawyer for the president in his personal capacity. So obviously, you know, all the left-wing media goes wild saying, see, see, Sidney Powell, she can't be believed. Look, even the Trump lawyers are trying to distance themselves. Let me just tell you a few things. So she happens to be a friend. I texted her today to say, you know what? I'm having Russ in the studio two hours. We're going to talk about election fraud. So can you call in? Her answer was, um, and I was also saying, I hope you're okay and I'm really concerned. And, you know, please know I'm praying for you. I always say these kind of things to her. But anyway, she says, I'm good, but can't come on. Report that I'm on track and further empowered by being untethered. She put out, a, so that was her, so she's, do not think that she is put off, and she really hasn't been fired by the Trump team. She never was on the Trump team. She wasn't hired by the Trump team. She wasn't being paid by them. She wasn't billing the Trump team for her time. She is in this for the reasons everyone loves Sidney Powell, because when she was in the Department of Justice and she could see the fraud ongoing with the Enron prosecution and other cases, and everyone understood inside the Department of Justice, this is how we're playing this, everybody be quiet, you know, we're really, really being unfair here, we're just taking Enron down for no reason at all, we are prosecuting them for things that aren't crimes. 
Sidney Powell having none of it, exposed them, wrote her book, License to Lie, because Sidney Powell, if nothing else, is committed to the justice system, the rule of law, and truth. That's who she is. She doesn't care who doesn't like it. She doesn't care who doesn't like her. So she's decided, she's watching, and she knows of this evidence we were reviewing just a few minutes ago with uh, Russ Ramsland. She knows about it. She's saying, this is a stolen election, and I, Sidney Powell, I'm gonna do everything I can think of to fight it. So she is bringing civil litigation in, in the swing states and marching forward. Secondly, she put a longer statement out which is kind of long to read, and I think we're really pushing the envelope on time. It's a great thing. I can't really see Matt the Wonderful because her glass reflects in the studio, so I can't tell if he's like wrapping up already. But I wanted to say she had a great statement out. In quick summary, she said she agreed with the campaign statement. I'm not part of the campaign legal team. Never signed a written retainer, never sent the president or the campaign a bill. My intent has always been to expose all the fraud I could find and let the chips fall where they may, whether it be upon Republicans or Democrats. The evidence I'm compiling is overwhelming that this software tool was used to shift millions of votes from President Trump and other Republican candidates to Biden and other Democrat candidates. We are proceeding to prepare our lawsuit and plan to file it this week. Her words, it will be epic. As, or, as she said in some talk show over the weekend, it'll be biblical. <laughs> she's just, she's not going to let this go. But that's what I want in closing our show today. I want to encourage you to think about, I'm my Girl Scout's honor, and I was a Girl Scout. If Biden won fair and square, fine. We have to have fair elections. And sometimes the candidate I would not have supported wins. This is life. But if we're looking at, in 2020, given the massive disruption of America's culture and society and the radical left has on today's Democrat Party, if we are looking at a theft of an election, every Republican who is signaling to President Trump, well, you know, about time to give up, about time to, ca to cave, this is unconscionable. It is unconscionable to be saying, throw aside, ignore the evidence, ignore the mounting evidence, the statistical evidence, the affidavits we have, ignore it all, and just for the interests of safety or peace or some other dumb reason, we're going to surrender the republic. Fight for the republic. Every one of you can be doing a lot of things. I'm gonna tell you what you can be doing. I have it in the, in the first, in the um, why, it why It Matters to you, my closing segment. So before I hit the closing segment, I'm going to do why it matters to you in five seconds, but I want to tell you first, happy Thanksgiving. I hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving. Spend your time thanking God for this precious country, for the freedom we have, and for the freedom we better stand up and fight for before we lose it. But happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Enjoy this time. I am not doing a show the rest of the week. I'll be back next Monday. I'm going to enjoy a little bit of a break. But I'm going to put this show up today. It's live tomorrow and Wednesday. Share it with your friends. It is vital that Americans understand we deserve the accurate answer to the 2020 election. And now I'll tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started out today talking about um, okay, election fraud, election integrity, why it matters. Election integrity is not a partisan issue. It should matter to every American. Election integrity transcends personalities named Trump and Biden. Those who have perpetrated systemic election fraud in 2020 are enemies of America. They're enemies of human freedom. It does not matter what political party they belong to. They are enemies of America. The evidence of election fraud in the presidential election is 
in 2020 is overwhelming. There's not just overwhelming proof it can be done. There's overwhelming proof that it, in fact, was done. Massive thanks to Russ Ramsland and ASOG for service to America. Next one. Election fraud and election integrity. There is also proof of election fraud to anyone with common sense, to anyone with the honesty and decency and courage of the child who said, but the emperor has no clothes. No our incumbent member of the U.S. House lost. House Republicans gained 13 seats. The 27 so-called toss-up too close to call House races all went Republican. 18 of the 19 bellwether counties voted for Trump by an average of plus 12 points. Election day and election night fraud machinations were obvious to anyone with a conscience. Trump headed for clear electoral victory, leading in five key states. All five stopped vote counting at about the same time. Unprecedented and unnatural. All resumed vote counting with intervening magical delivery of mail-in ballots mail-in ballots including massive batches most are all for biden again unprecedented and unnatural and just enough to overcome trump's lead unnatural election fraud and election integrity Conclusion to uh, what we just said about, uh, actually, and one more thing, yeah. Um, and remember, Joe Biden wasn't popular in Democrat primaries until Sanders was engineered out. Kamala Harris dropped out of the Democrat primary before any votes, could not poll above 3% among Democrats. Joe Biden barely campaigned, never could draw even 100 people to even listen to him. Trump drew hundreds of thousands, if not millions. Yet America's secure election system reports a, rep reports a result that by number of votes received, Joe Biden is the most popular presidential candidate in American history. That's reasonable. This is absolute outrageous nonsense. It is a lie. It is a fraud. The common sense case is by itself proof of a stolen election. And millions upon millions of Americans, including honest Democrats, know it. And then why it matters to you, conclusion. Election integrity is a transcendent issue of national survival. America must get it right. The proof of election fraud in 2020 is overwhelming as a matter of common sense and as a matter of forensic evidence already assembled without the benefit of search warrants and depositions. Just imagine if the Justice Department would get involved to allow a stolen election result of this magnitude to stand, to allow the perpetrators to get away with it, very likely will mark the end of America as a constitutional republic, and that can bring on unimaginable darkness, evil, and violence to America and the world. I think, yeah, one more. Yeah, conclusion. Besides President Trump and Congressman Louie Gohmert, very few elected Republicans are standing up and speaking out. No elected Democrats even acknowledge a problem. Attorney General Barr and the DOJ and the FBI have gone missing. No apparent investigation ongoing, although we heard a moment ago that there may, from our guest, Russ Ramsey, there may be something going on. Supreme Court under Chief Justice Roberts seems to cave into mainstream media uh, and the media mob. If all are, in the words of the Declaration of Independence, deaf to the voice of justice, the people need to rise up in protest and demand honest elections. So, peacefully protest for fair elections. Find out where you can protest in your area by going to jerichomarch.org. To support ASOG, call, and you can see the number there, 214-850-7134. The email, I'm sorry, got blued out. Um, 
I can tell you, I, I can't read it to you, but you can email me if you want it. Uh, support Sydney Powell. Sydney Powell has a great website up. As you just heard, she's not being paid by Trump team. Support Sydney Powell at defendingtherepublic.org. Defendingtherepublic.org. Go to everylegalvote.com. Read, learn, and then send emails and letters. And then please, everyone, pray and pray again for this precious country. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Again, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Enjoy your family, your friends, your delicious food, and take a deep breath. We are not done with election 2020, and we're never going to be done working and fighting to preserve America, the most extraordinary gift to, of, to, to human liberty, of human liberty, ever to bless this earth. It is our job that patriots in our generation must stand up and speak up for America. And again, thank you for listening to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you in a week. America, can we talk truth about America?